Hi, this is James from James Talks Movies. This is the first episode and we're going to discuss Martin Scorsese and his list of movies. So at the time we're recording, Martin Scorsese has directed 25 feature films, narrative films, and we're going to go through them all from worst to best. This is just in my opinion, obviously. I think it's fair to say that the worst film of his is Boxcar Bertha. Really, it was it was a Roger Corman production. He got the chance to make it. He took the money, make it cheap, try and make a profit, at least to get and make a film out of it. That was sort of the ethos of Roger Corman's work. Obviously, it was great because he gave a start to so many young directors at the time. It's not horrendous. You can watch it, but it's really not great. Uh, it's kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde with like a low-budget sort of naff version. It's not really worth watching unless you need to watch that one to complete the set, I suppose. At number 24, I'm going to go with Kundun. Uh, this was more of an experimental film and Roger Deakins was the cinematographer on this one. Again, it's it's not a bad film, it's just a little bit too experimental for me. I mean, I do like lots of sort of weird films, experimental films, but I feel like for Scorsese it, it wasn't exactly the type of thing that I'd really want to watch. The cinematography was nice, so you can, you can check it out for that if you want. At number 23, it's New York, New York. I know there are two versions, a longer one and a shorter one. Uh, the shorter one was still quite long. Uh, I saw that shorter one. It was decent, but I probably wouldn't want to sit through the longer one. So he was on a high after making um, Taxi Driver. So I think he, he just thought, you know, he's hot property, he can do what he wants. He wanted to make a musical to pay homage to all of the, the classic musicals that he loved. He had Liza Minnelli and Robert De Niro in it, and there's not too much to say. It just was a bit bland. Some nice little moments, I think the opening was quite good, but other than that, it, it wasn't really great. Um, again, it's it's a lesser film. There were personal issues going on when he made it. It was probably an experiment that didn't really pay off. In at number 22, we've got his first film, which is Who's That Knocking At My Door? This was a film that he shot over a period of years, pre-Mean Streets, like, you know, he was sort of setting the blueprints for that film. It's quite similar about sort of young gangsters. It's, it's got very much uh, the Italian neorealist inspiration. Interesting, if you really love Mean Streets, you might like it, but again, it's not one that you would really start with. It's not one of his classic gangster films. Controversial maybe at number 21, I've got Gangs of New York. I know a lot of people love this film. A friend of mine said he thought it was his favorite Scorsese film, but for me, uh, it just wasn't. If another friend described it as very long and very boring, and I think that's probably a fair way to describe it. A lot of people disagree, because I know a lot of people love it, and obviously you've got um, brilliant actors with Leonardo DiCaprio and Daniel Day-Lewis, but overall, I didn't get too much out of it, and it's not one that I really watch again. In at number 20, we've got Cape Fear. This one is an interesting one because the story goes that he, he had a meal with Steven Spielberg and he wasn't sure if he was actually going to direct this film or not because he said he loved the original but he didn't know whether he would tarnish it by making a remake. And Spielberg basically said, you know, if you love the film and you know how it's going to end, then do what you want with it up until then. I think that is one of the interesting things about Scorsese, especially we'll touch on this later on, how he can make these sort of mainstream movies purely sort of for entertainment and commercial success but he also he can put in his own experimental touch and I think that's that's just one thing that I've always really respected and loved about his work and that's one thing when I saw this film when I was 16 17 that I thought it really it, it just it was sort of out of the box there was lots of different things that he was trying I think the casting's fantastic but it just lacks that 
cutting edge for me to really want to watch it again and I think that's why it's quite low down in the list for me. So at number 19 we've got Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Uh, it's an interesting film and it's one that doesn't really get mentioned that often. This is one, the story goes, that it was after he uh, Scorsese had made Main Streets. Some, uh, Ellen Burstyn had the script and she was looking for a director and she was told to watch that film and after watching it she contacted him. And it is, it seems like more of a studio film, especially at the start you've got uh, the sort of evil Alice in Wonderland vibe where it's like all fashioning on the ranch but you've got the red that he took out of Michael Powell's work and then I just remember some sort of uh, tracking shots and crane shots were really quite stylish and it was quite interesting. Probably wouldn't watch it again but it's, it's, it's not a bad film and there was quite a lot of good moments to it. Next up at number 18, there's another controversial one. For me, it's Casino. I know this is one that's loved by a lot of people and a lot of people should think it would be higher. I mean, it's difficult not to compare it with Goodfellas. Obviously, it came out a few years later and it's very similar cast um, and obviously similar themes, but it just seems to me that it was lacking some of the things that were brilliant about Goodfellas. I tried a little hard to try and replicate that, maybe to try and um, just become another success off of the back of Goodfellas, even though there'd been a couple of movies in between. They changed cinematographer from Michael Ballaus to Robert Richardson. Obviously both amazing cinematographers, both worked at Scorsese a lot and done a lot of good work with him and with other directors. But I don't know, maybe if, if they stuck with Michael Ballaus, possibly it could have been better. I tried to watch it a second time just in, on its own merit, not to think about Goodfellas, just to watch the film as a film, but I couldn't really get away with it unfortunately, that's why it's solo on the list. In at number 17, it's quite a modern one, we've got Silence. This is one that I didn't see at the cinema, I wasn't too sure about it from the trailers. I could say it was a certain type of film and obviously it was more personal than it was going to be entertaining. But when I did watch it, um, I'm really glad I did. Some of the cinematography was quite beautiful. Obviously there was loads of beautiful landscapes used and it's such a vast story I think it would be really needed to be seen on the big screen so that's my fault not maybe that would have put it higher up on the list but again story wise it was interesting i'm not a massive fan of period drama so obviously with being set in the past and being a, a very religious story was a little hard to get into uh, i did think there was lots of tension and lots of emotion at certain times the performances were very good i thought at first the casting was a bit odd having adam driver and uh, Andrew Garfield as Portuguese priests with Liam Neeson being another priest. It, it seemed a bit strange, but I think that I think they got away with it. I think the performance is good. It is probably a film that I would just watch the once unless you're really connected with it. But yeah, I, I it was a decent film. It was, it was good, but I'd probably leave it down to 17th. At number 16 is another film that's not really mentioned that often, which is The Age of Innocence. Yeah, I thought this was a really good film. I think Story-wise, I don't really remember that much about it. I kind of zoned out a bit, which is why I can't put it higher. But personally, I think in terms of directing and blocking and camera movement and costumes and setting and props, it's probably the best. I think the movement of the characters, the movement of the camera around the, the location, around the actors was just beautiful. I think it was so well directed, arguably one of Scorsese's best directed films, especially in terms of blocking but the film as a whole didn't grip me enough to put it higher up. In at number 15 is The Last Temptation of Christ. 
I think it was a really interesting film. I, I read there's some production issues. I think you could tell there were some some wider shots which didn't really look cinematic. It didn't really capture any sort of emotional power and it looked a little bit cheap. Whereas there were some other scenes that were just fantastic. I think the most obvious scene for me was uh, the scene where Willem Dafoe was playing Jesus was out in the desert. That was a very uh, spiritual and quite powerful scene. And then later on in the movie, we have him on the cross and he gets brought down by this young angelic girl. And later on in the film, we realize that that was actually the devil in disguise. And I just felt really betrayed by that moment. And I, you know, I was really into the film at that point. I just, I'd never felt sort of so shocked and so betrayed that this character, you know, was lying to us the whole time. And I thought that was really powerful. But I think there was so much in it that was not cinematic and just seemed low quality and maybe a bit rushed that I couldn't really bring it up higher than 15th. A friend of mine as well made a point that with having obviously David Bowie and Harvey Cattell and Willem Dafoe, he said that it's a film that the actors were just sort of too big and they were just stars. So that kind of put him off watching this biblical film. I suppose maybe casting was an issue for some people. I didn't see it as too much of a problem, but, but for some people it was. But I think 15th is probably a fair place for me to put it in my list. And at 14, we've got Bringing Out the Dead, another one that people don't really seem to mention. Interesting film with Nicolas Cage. I think the one thing to say about it was just how sort of frantic it was and how kinetic it was. It was just full of energy and obviously the whole thing seemed like it was on amphetamines and it was just crazy. Quite a dark film, quite an interesting film, good performances, experimental again, not a classic but I think definitely worth your time. It's one of the ones that if you've seen all of the, the normal classic Scorsese films and you really want to just go out and say right I'm going to watch one I've never seen before, that's probably one of the ones that I'll definitely recommend that you should go and check out if you can. In at number 13, I'm going to go with Hugo. Um, I thought this was a brilliant film. I've seen it two or three times. I'm a big lover of movies and I saw any film about film history or about someone who loves movies, obviously I can connect to. There were certain references in there that I got and I think was quite interesting. It taught you a lot about films, which is great, obviously. Someone like Scorsese knows more than all of us, so anything he can tell us is, is worth listening to. But obviously there were certain parts that maybe you already knew and I, I, don't know, I just I connected with it. I thought it was, it was sweet. It was, it was a really nice film. Obviously it was more of a family audience, which I think some people maybe didn't connect with. They thought, mm, you know, he's famous for these violent gangster films. Why is he doing this? But to be honest, I think it was a really good turn, change of pace. Obviously the, the attempt in the 3D and all the CGI, it showed that this uh, director who was famous in the 70s and the 80s was happy to go into modern times and ensure that he can direct anything, basically any genre, anything he wants, and to do it really well. And at number 12, lower than most people I would say is The Wolf of Wall Street. Very popular film, probably or arguably his most popular film of recent times. It just lacked something, I'm not sure. Um, I did watch it in the cinema and I kind of liked it, but I wasn't entirely sure and then I watched it a second time and I got it a bit more. The first time I saw it, I didn't feel like a Scorsese film to me, it just felt too modern, it just felt a little bit empty, I'm not sure, but then on the second watch, you know, it's got its themes of its rise, fall, rise again, you know, there were different techniques within it that I thought they are clearly Scorsese's films uh, and his techniques. I think this is one that pretty much everyone now is going to have watched or will watch. There's not too much to say about it in terms of recommendation because there's, you know, most people have seen it already, but I can only really put it in 12th. 
In 11th we've got The Colour of Money. A lot of people don't tend to like sequels. Arguably this sequel could be better than the original, but I think I think it was a great film. It's lots of fun, lots of good energy, good performances. Paul Newman's amazing as always. Tom Cruise is really good. I think it's a really well edited film. I think the match, the action and the energy of the pool tournaments and obviously Tom Cruise has got that sort of charisma and energy and he, he wants to be a big man and sort of win the tournament and prove how good he is and I think the, the way they cut it together really helps to tell that and I think it's a really fun film and I'd, I'd definitely recommend it. Into the top 10 now we'll start with The Irishman, Scorsese's newest film obviously. I think three and a half hours long around that has put a lot of people off. Some people are saying they watch it in chunks. I don't think that's right to be honest. I don't see why three and a half hours should really put you off yeah it's a long time and yeah maybe you have to take a break but i don't know it was made to be a film in one go so really ideally you should watch it in one go if you can obviously if not then that's fine too but i, I don't think you should be put off watching it because of how long it is if you have to break it up then fair play you have to break it up the de agent didn't really put me off i know some people said certain parts didn't work i think there was there was one bit when he's younger and he picks a fight with someone who i think it's like his daughter's boss and he, he's sort of kicking him on the street and again like he didn't look like he was putting the energy in that matched how young he was meant to be and i think that was a, con a concern for people that the faces were made younger but yet the bodies were still old so that didn't completely match which um was a bit of a problem another thing as well people complained about the lack of uh, his daughter's speech as time went on in the film but i think the fact is her ignoring him works for the plot and then it, it's more important that when she does speak you know that's how powerful it is because she's choosing her words carefully so i think that really is the, the purpose of the movie it's a really well acted uh, really interesting film if you can stand the the time i think it's definitely worth sticking out with now at number nine is Shutter Island. Uh, this was the first Scorsese film that I saw at the cinema and I saw it twice at the cinema and I've seen it multiple times since on uh, DVD. I really do love the film. I think it's really fun, it's really entertaining. The only issue I'd maybe have story-wise is it's not as clever as it thinks it was because I was able to work what the plot twist was from the trailer. So maybe they made it too obvious there. But I wasn't let down by when, when the twist actually happened because, you know, even though I knew it was going to happen, I was still, you know, they still did it in a surprising, entertaining way. Some people maybe class it as a lesser film. I don't know, it's entertaining and that's really what you want from movies most of the time, isn't it? So it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. Number eight, this is the king of comedy. Uh, again, probably people will put it higher, but I think that's just testament to how good the ones above are. This seems to be almost the most cultish film of his. It's the one that a lot of people haven't seen and then when they discover it they go out and talk about how brilliant it is. Obviously the comparisons with Joker from last year are quite obvious but I think both films work of their own standing. If you like Joker definitely check out The King of Comedy and if you haven't seen King of Comedy check it out regardless whether you like Joker or not. It's a really good story and I think Scorsese's got a lot of his own personality in there. There's a scenes when he's he's told that the person who could help give him his break won't be back until Monday and he's gonna have to come back and he's happy to just sort of sit and wait. You know, that seems like the type of thing a young Scorsese would do if it's gonna help his career. And he also goes on about how his name is uh, often misspelt and often mispronounced, which again is something quite common in his in his life. So I think it's it's quite a personal film, um, really funny, really entertaining, and definitely definitely worth a watch. 
At number seven is After Hours. It's another one that people really don't talk about for some reason. I've seen it a couple of times and I really love it. I could just watch it again and again. It's just so entertaining. I love this type of film where, you know, one guy goes out, he makes a decision and then he falls down a rabbit hole, one thing leads to another and all of a sudden he's getting chased by the entire town. It's such a simple premise and it's just so well executed. It's got a bit of expressionist freedom to it with the camera movements and the editing and I love that. And honestly, like if you haven't seen it, I would 100% recommend this film. Uh, number six is Mean Streets. It's one that I really do love and I know it's loved by a lot of people. I think it's one of the earlier films that the first that I saw. It's been very inspiring to me. I mean, I use the word MOOC in general language 24-7 now since I've seen it and I've started getting people I'm friends with say it now because of it. It really shows Scorsese's neorealist roots from his background of watching all those Italian films from uh, Rossellini and Fellini. And, and I think you can tell it's just a bunch of guys hanging out. You could feel like you could be one of them having a good time and then a good time with one decision one bad decision leads to a bad time and then everything sort of goes wrong from there and it's really captivating and obviously young Robert De Niro is brilliant and Harvey Cartel keeps things together perfectly into the top five now and we've got The Aviator I think this is the most successful film in terms of awards uh, commercially as well I think obviously some people would probably put this lower but I've got quite an affinity to the film uh, for personal reasons I just really love it I think the performances are great the story is great I love to see his descent in the madness and then how he comes out again it, it's quite similar to his rise and fall tales but instead of it being um, about crime and money it's it's more uh, mental and his sanity the color palette used and the ways he's got that sort of faded film look by subtly tweaking the colour of the grass so it looks like an old sort of film stock rather than actually looking like grass just to try and put you in that time period. It's just the type of thing that like an artist does really and, and I think it really helps set him out above other directors for making these little decisions. And at number four we have The Departed. I, I really love this film and I've seen Infernal Affairs a couple of times but I really prefer The Departed. I know most people seem to prefer the other way around. I think one thing that The Departed has over Infernal Affairs is by placing the Vera Farmiga character. She is one woman whereas they have two women in the Hong Kong film and it just adds that extra layer of tension because now rather than having the two male characters each with their own love interest they've got the two characters and their love interest is the same woman so it's just another interesting thing that I think really helps make the film so much better but the film itself it's great sort of action film I think it's beautifully edited performance is great it's an amazing cast and I really think Everyone's probably seen it by now, but definitely should go out and watch it. In at number three, we've got Raging Bull. I think this is probably technically his best made film. He called it a kamikaze film because of where he was with his health and where he was with his career. He felt like it was going to be his last film. He thought, I might as well just put everything I've possibly got into it. And you can see that, and I think that was completely the right decision. And it just shows how much of a crime it would have been if he had ended there, because he clearly had so much to give as the filmmaker. It's such a brilliant film. The camera work, the production design, this, the editing, the, the sound design especially. Uh, you know, you have some of these slow motion shots and the, the dolly zooms, and then you've got the sound over the top, and it just fades out, and you really, it's so expressionistic, you really get thrown into the ring. But then, to go through all that and then compare that with the house scenes, the domestic scenes where it's, it's a lot more stripped back and you've got a couple of cameras to try and shoot the improvisation scenes and you see just how brutal the character is in the home 
and then you see how brutal the characters can be in the ring and it's just such a really clever film and yeah it's probably technically speaking the best made of Scorsese's films in my opinion but in terms of overall including you know what my favorite is I'd have to put it number three and in at number two is Goodfellas again this is a film that possibly people would put first because it is so brilliant and it could easily be top it's just it's just filmmaking at the absolute best I don't think there's many films really you can look at and say they're actually better than this one um, or at least it's in the, the top the top draw of films because every, every, I think everyone it's been talked to death everyone says how brilliant it is and I think that's right the camera work the editing the performances the cast the, the music choice you know that soundtrack's amazing when you've got um, George Harrison and The Who and The Rolling Stones that sort of frantic rock and roll vibe and it's a rock and roll movie going through the eras as the kid grows up into being really older and just where it goes from there it's iconic you've got all these lines that are just now in popular culture it's just it's just fantastic um, and if it wasn't for the film that's top you know i think anyone would argue that this is probably the best one but for personal reasons i'm going to go with number one as taxi driver again a lot of people could easily put this number one or maybe swap it to number two depending on where the feel of goodfellas but for me this is the film that really made me want to be a filmmaker it's the film that really got me into films in general you look at the scene like when he's on the phone and the camera pans away and then he walks past and it's just obviously it's inspired by french new wave films but it's just a way to say look i'm making a conventional film and i'm going to make it brilliantly but i'm also going to be experimental and be expressionistic and it was just that one of the first films by a mainstream director that showed me that I kind of always felt at that point it was literally you either make a conventional film or you make an experimental film but this one it just it had both and it was the best example of having both that I've seen and I think he's the best director for showing that you can do both and that really opened up doors to me uh, in terms of films that I wanted to watch and films that I wanted to make I think it's probably the film I've seen the most. I've seen it in the cinema three or four times and I've seen it on DVD more times and I could easily watch it again. And it really is just, for me, it's one of the best films I've ever seen. And not only is it my favorite Scorsese film, it's definitely my favorite film of all time currently. Uh, and it has been for years. So there you go, that was the Martin Scorsese or Scorsese film list. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. This is the first one that I've done in this series. What we'll be looking to do is more lists of director's work or just to discuss the director's work in general in terms of their style maybe or their influences or who would have influenced. We've been watching a lot of films during lockdown so I'm going to go through some of those. Especially a lot of them have been sort of cult films and world cinema films that you may have seen or you may not have even heard of. So could hopefully try and recommend some of them for you or just go through what I thought about them why I like them and yeah just basically we talk about films I'm hoping to get some guests on at some point as well so we can have more of a discussion and it'll be great to hear other people's thoughts and opinions if you want to get in touch with your top Scorsese film or your list that would be amazing and we'll talk about that so thank you very much this was James Talks Movies and I'll see you soon <laughs>